0: Hello, everybody. This is Charlie. And, and this is Nicole. This is, this is Nicole, and this is the podcast to hell and back. And it's about uh, um, coping with life's health, whether they're small hells or big hells. And what we're talking about today is a big, a big form of pain and suffering, which is when you love somebody and then they take their life. And uh, and, and, we've, and this is somebody we've talked about in two previous podcasts with his mother, the, the young man's name was Ross, and he took his life a little over two years ago, I think in May of 2020. And, uh, and now uh, we've spent two times talking with Beth, his mom, and you can find those on previous podcasts. And now we're talking now to Mariah, and Mariah is, uh, yeah. If you're if you're watching, you can see Mariah. If you're just listening, which is what most people are doing, you you would just hear her absence. But she's about to speak. And um, Mariah is uh, the fiance of Ross's brother, who we're also going to be meeting with in a in a subsequent podcast. So we're really getting different people's experiences and how they've coped with the loss of this dear young person. Um, and so thank you, for Mar- Mariah, for coming on. I think I consider it an act of courage and uh, the willingness to come on. And so I appreciate yeah. that you're here. Um,
1: for sure, no, I'm happy to be here knowing that the purpose is to help people get through similar things, um, so. Yeah, thank you. Thank
0: you. Um, and so I wonder if you could just start by telling us a little about yourself and before even the connection to Ross, but just kind of like, who are you? <laughs> I mean, where, <laughs> where where are you? Who are you? What do you do with your life? And, yeah. and then how did you get connected to Ross?
1: Sure. Yeah. Big question. Who am I? I'm Mariah. Um, I grew up in New Hampshire with my family. I now live in Maine. Um, with my fiance Teddy, um, I am a writer and editor professionally, and also just I feel like kind of core to who I am. Um, I love
0: dogs. <laughs> um, you have a dog. Yeah, yeah like that you have a dog. sums it up. You have a dog.
1: <laughs> no, we don't actually. We did. He also passed away. So we've been oh. we've had a rough few years. Yeah. I would say. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh. Oh. Yes, and you recently just moved to Portland. You were you were saying earlier that you you know you have a, you've barely spent time there yet, but you love it <laughs> to Portland, Maine. Yes, yeah.
1: exactly. Yeah, we lived here last summer for the summer, and then moved out, and then knew that we this is kind of where we wanted to come back to long term. So now we're back for the long term, which mm-hmm.
0: is great.
2: That's wonderful.
1: And you've
0: worked for the Boston Globe. Is that still who you work for?
1: Yep, yeah, that's uh, where I work right now. I work um, in their uh, advertising sponsored content department. So anything that is written uh, in collaboration with advertisers, I help create and edit and take through the whole process.
0: Okay. So tell us a little about how you ended up connected to Ross. I know it's probably a yeah, law for sure. Whatever, wherever that starts.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so didn't know Ross until I knew Teddy. Um, I think I'd been dating Teddy for probably, I don't know, half a year maybe before being introduced to Ross. Um, so super nervous to meet him. Um, kind of went up to New Hampshire, like knowing that I was going to meet Teddy's brother for the first time. Um, I was super nervous because Teddy had talked about him a lot, like spoke so, so highly of him. Um, And yeah, I remember being like in their parents' kitchen in New Hampshire um, where they also grew up and yeah, just being so nervous. And then Ross walked in and kind of immediately like he just had a really sweet presence and you could tell that he was just a kind person. Um, We started talking And pretty quickly, I think Teddy was like, oh, like, we have to watch these YouTube videos that Mariah showed me, Um, which is kind of like a big, a big thing when you're first meeting someone, I feel like, because you find out, oh, my headphone just fell out. Um, You find out pretty, pretty quickly whether or not you like have the same sense of humor as someone. And if you don't, it's pretty awkward. Um, So I was like, oh, no, Teddy, like, that's a really big, like, first meeting situation. Um, but yeah, he pulled up the the videos and I forget what they are, but I just remember Ross like laughing at all the exact like right points um, and like a genuine laugh, not just like going along with it. So at that point, I like kind of knew pretty immediately that this was just like going to work. <laughs> um, wow. And yeah. And then from there, just kind of building a friendship the way that you do, like just going back to New Hampshire every I don't know, a month or so, um,
2: Mm.
1: and hanging out and getting to know each other. Um, I just built super naturally
2: Mm. from there. You say that you were nervous about meeting him. Who was the Ross in your imagination before you met?
1: Um, I think, okay. So Teddy had talked about him just being like very smart. Um, and I think he just had talked about him in a really like protective way, Um, where, I don't know, like in college people would throw around like the F word, um, and Ross identified as gay. So Teddy would always stand up for people and be like, Hey, don't say that. Like, which was a really cool thing for like a college boy to do. Um, and it was like, honestly, one thing that I really liked about Teddy right off the bat. Mm -hmm. Um, so I just knew that he was like, really Ross was really important to Teddy Mm -hmm. immediately. Um, so I didn't even know a ton about him, but I think I just knew that, like, it was very crucial that we get along. That
2: he likes you or else you're out. Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, and I guess Teddy had also told me about some of his, like, uh, growing up, Ross having some, like, emotional issues that he was going through. Um, so I think I was also maybe expecting someone who was, like, a little bit, I don't know, turbulent, Mm. like, or something, but like the meeting him was just like, oh, like he's just normal and cool. And I like him a lot. So those like nerves were unfounded Mm. for sure.
0: Mm. Mm. You know, it's interesting having spent the time that we did talking with Beth and learning about Ross, um, that he may have had really intense emotional issues and, uh, you know, about who he was in the world and who he could be, and had been an actor as a kid and that, and really grew really good at it. And then, um, you know, and very smart and very kind of philosophical. And and maybe you'd think he'd be very turbulent, but what was impressive is the number of people he touched, yeah. uh, the way you're describing, and even on immediate contact. I mean, there's something very special about his impact on people that he met even when he was much younger, that kind of showed up later when he was in trouble and showed up later when he also took his life and Mm. uh, was comforting to Beth to realize how many people he had touched. So I guess you're one of those people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. No, I think I'm super different. And I think my life is definitely for the better having known Ross despite how things ended up. Mm. Um, yeah.
0: What would you say um, about what was for the better having known Ross? I feel like I'm better for just uh, having known about him, but <laughs> <laughs> you, you you knew him intensely. Yeah. Yeah,
1: for sure. No, I think, um, I think the biggest thing is taking away some of his honesty. Um, he was never someone to like, I don't know, if he thought something was bullshit or like whatever he would be the first one to say so and like yeah just never felt like he I had to hide his feelings or like what he thought about things Mm -hmm. um at least around me I guess um around like people he was comfortable with uh and I think I naturally am more of like a people pleaser um and just kind of go along with things a lot um so I think one thing that i definitely try to like channel from ross is like recognizing when things are like not actually that cool and being okay with like walking away from a situation that i think is messed up or like getting a vibe from someone i don't like and being like i don't have to hang out with them any more times and like i don't have to actually do anything that i don't want to do um and yeah, just like living in a way that is more authentic and um, I think a little bit more courageous and I definitely am not perfect at that, but I do try to
0: channel Ross
1: in those ways.
0: <laughs> how, Mariah, how would you spend time with Ross? Would it be always along with his brother Teddy or, or with his family or did you have an, what you feel was an independent relationship with him as well?
1: Um. Yeah, that's a good question. I feel like mostly it was with Teddy. I would say the three of us were kind of like the, um, dynamic trio. Uh, uh, we definitely spent some time alone together and had an independent relationship. Like we took a class together. Um, but for the most, yeah, it was just like a random, I honestly forget. It was a psychology (laughs) class of some sort. Cause that, that was my major in college. And after college, I like missed that. And He wanted to learn a little bit more about, I think, school in general. Um, And that's definitely encouraged it. So we would like go to the Harvard Extension School and took that class together. Um, But yeah, for the most part, it was with Teddy usually just because I was usually with Teddy. Um, So that just kind of is how it worked out. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely felt like even though we often spent time together, I definitely felt like an independent connection to Ross in that like, I feel like we were similar in ways that I'm not similar to Teddy and he's not similar to Teddy. Um, So, yeah, I feel like we just had a really good dynamic and like we're similar in certain ways that um, we're just nice to like have someone that uh, recognized those things in me and vice versa.
2: And Teddy, um, you know, we heard from Beth a little bit about how, you know, Teddy maybe didn't get as much attention growing up, um, as Ross did just because Ross, you know, was struggling at times, but that, you know, Teddy was still incredibly affectionate towards Ross and that their relationship was still so close. Do do you remember, you know, being aware of, of any of, you know, those dynamics in terms of, you know, maybe how, how Teddy felt towards Ross around, you know, maybe attention dynamics, like what, what, whether or not it would like favoritism or any of that, those things that maybe, um, were undercurrents that wouldn't have been as evident, um, to Beth or or anything like that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's amazing because I've never heard Teddy complain about like his childhood or upbringing, like, (laughs) I know he had definitely some, like, dramatic moments with Ross. Like, I think Ross, like, threw a knife at him one time uh, when they were kids, uh, which luckily, like, totally missed and hit a tree or something. Um, But he never talks about that in, like, really a negative way. Um, And then also in high school, when Teddy was in high school, his family was really dealing with um, Ross pretty intensely. So Teddy was, like, basically living on his own, I would say. Um, But he's never, ever complained about that, which I've always thought was Mm. just a really, um, yeah, I've always really appreciated about that, about Teddy, that he just, like, accepted that that is the way that it was. And I, yeah, I feel like he almost uh, is a better person for, like, having to put his needs to the side for Mm. a period of time to, like. And understanding that that's just what his family needed. Um, wow. That's definitely something that I have always admired about Teddy. Yeah, it's
0: remarkable. Yeah. When you, when, as you got to know Ross and, and spent time with him in whatever settings, what, you must have known that he had some kind of vulnerabilities or challenges or something. What What in particular stood out to you?
1: Yeah, I think um, just like an existential crisis and dread came up often just like and especially when people were drinking, it sometimes ended up being like less of a fun thing and would end up with Ross like um, talking about like, well, what is the point of all of this? Mm -hmm. And like people would try to like, like think, talk about like what they thought the point of life was. And he'd be like, no, but like, what's the point? Like, that doesn't, none of this matters. Um, just clearly like had some existential, um, I don't know, thoughts that I think a lot of people have, but for him, they were more intense and disturbing. Um, so yeah, so I think mostly that would come up and then just some general, I guess, like emotional, outbursts would happen, like something small every now and then, really rarely, honestly, but every now and then like he would get really mad at Teddy for something and just kind of overreact or um things like that. They were just like a little bit um yeah, a little bit concerning.
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah, I'm very interested in his wondering what the point of life was. It's something I've wondered myself. Uh, genuinely I've actually done a couple of podcasts called What's the Point if anybody was (laughs) interested (laughs) in that topic they can go back I'm fine but where I just talk about the pointlessness of life and and how people I've known (laughs) who found it and often the people who feel that life has no point it reminds me of Ross or some of the people I've known have been people who have extraordinary verbal intelligence and they can see the world from so many different angles so they don't they don't buy into any of the narrower, yeah. more simplified ways of understanding what life is about. Well, you're supposed to make money or you're supposed to go to your job or you're supposed to learn about these things or you're supposed to have, I, I don't know. It's kind of like all these things just look like, but why? Right. You know, what's the point? Mm-hmm. What is the point? I mean, why Why get up in the morning? I mean, why mm-hmm. Why go to a job? Uh, it yeah. sounds like he had that kind of quality. Um and it kind of goes along yeah, with that absolutely. complicated mind. Definitely.
1: Oh. And I think it was something that it's like similar things that I think about. So I think that was one reason that I think I didn't recognize that maybe things were as dire as they ended up being. Mm-hmm. It was just like, I mean, that's a good question. <laughs> like, what is the problem? Yeah. Right, and he right. seemed like more disturbed by that question. But it seemed like... Right things that people do like ask and explore and yeah. And he was upset by it, but I guess I just kind of thought it was more of like I I don't know, just something that people go through and that he would get through mm. um, and kind of find his own reason at some point.
2: So that's a really, so you didn't really realize um, how maybe dire or severe his issues were. It sounds like what, what were your, yeah, what was it's your understanding?
1: I mean, looking back, it was like, oh, it was honestly pretty clear because he definitely did talk about like not being around um, or like just being like, oh, I'll just kill myself. Like as like almost a joke, but not, I guess. Um, And it always felt, it always felt like a little more weighted and uncomfortable. Like I feel like everyone in the room was just like, oh, uh, okay. Uh, But didn't really know like what to say, like in that moment to take it really seriously or, or not. Um, mm. I feel like it's like a very Gen Z thing to <laughs> say. Um, so I don't know it looking back, it's very like clear that there was a serious concern and like risk of suicidal thoughts and behavior. But I think it just seemed like kind of almost part of it. We just got used to it, I guess. Mm. Um, and it just felt very like normalized as just being like, the kind of thing that Ross would say uh yeah. but yeah looking back I think it was more serious and honestly I think I was I did looking back like have concerns at certain points but I think was just too uncomfortable about it to ever say anything um which obviously I really regret and wish that I had said something now but I also to this day don't exactly know how I would have addressed it but wish that i had had the courage to bring it up and be like, hey, like, are you serious? And please, uh, I don't know. Just, I, again, don't know what I would have said, but wish that I had had uh, the courage to say something.
0: Yeah, but let's be clear, not knowing at all whether that would have made a difference, but I can understand that because usually I've found in interviewing a lot of people who've been associated with somebody who took their life, nearly everybody who was a connected feels responsible. I mean, it feels like if I had said this, if I had asked this. So mm-hmm. I, I I appreciate your honesty about fearing that your lack of courage made some difference. But I just want to say it's it's kind of like... And even when talking with Beth and she's had so much contact with so many different people and she felt responsible and, and her husband felt responsible and then had her... Other her friend felt responsible, and his friends felt so. It's it's really like, it's like a whole network around Ross of people who knew about these things with him at one level or another. But it was hard to know what to do because actually they had taken some pretty aggressive steps already mm-hmm. to do things, and he didn't like those. You know, it didn't didn't work so well.
1: Yeah, for sure. No, I think guilt is just such a built-in part of it and like Mm. there's so few there's so few things in life that you can't like problem solve your way out of and think like well what if I did this differently what if I try this Mm. so I think your brain or like mine and it seems like a lot of people's naturally is like oh well if I could just figure out what to do differently I could fix this um but obviously you can't and you can't even know ever for a fact like what would have changed anything or if anything would have changed anything which is I think what eventually like helped me stop the cycling of what if questions was like well oh. you know what if I had said something and he it made him feel worse and ha- had the same effect I would still be questioning like darn I like shouldn't have said anything um, so yeah you can really the, the truth is that you'll just never know what different action would have led to what results. So I think that is kind of how I've stopped doing that so much, but um, Mm. yeah, definitely is a big part of Mm. the grief process, I think.
0: I think it's really important that you've said this because people who are listening to this in the future and who are in similar positions, and there will be people without question that are sort of in that where they're worried about a relative or a close friend or something like that, uh, or they'll be shouldering the guilt that they feel afterwards is how you know how what a complicated position it is to be a close friend yeah. of somebody who's thinking of taking their life and because when you take your life it only happens once you can talk about it a hundred times but you don't know how to predict it right. it's a nearly mm-hmm. it's nearly unpredictable actually even with people who have lots of risk factors so i think it's important that you're saying this um
2: yeah And you're showing us that the the tentacles of suicide just spread so far and wide of suicide and of mental illness. I mean, there's just, um, there's no real clear beginning and end both within the individual, but then within the systems around the individual and the people that, that it impacts. So I also love to hear Mm -hmm. just a bit about, you know, why you thought it was really important, um, to originally we talked about maybe meeting with you and Teddy together, um, but you know, you thought it was worth because you had a very individual experience. So it'd be worth maybe hearing a little bit about, you know, why, why your message and your, your kind of unfolding of this experience was unique. Um, because I think that that is emblematic of this kind of separate tentacle and just how, um, yeah, how individual each person within the constellation of a life is experiences um, someone's someone's passing
1: yeah I think the reason that we wanted to come on separately was just yeah exactly we had such different experiences um, and I think mine I would if I had to sum it up would be dealing with the loss of a really close friend Mm. as opposed to um, a brother and then um, you know even though at this point he is you know basically my family too Mm. but um that's how our relationship felt was like a close friend Mm. um and then also I think being I felt very responsible for Teddy's well-being um in the aftermath so I think my experience is kind of balancing like the grief of losing a close friend to suicide and trying to like support someone who's going through even more of those intense emotions than you are at the same time um so i think yeah i think we just had really different uh experiences and felt like the questions would be kind of different um, for both of us
2: absolutely Hmm. Hmm. Hmm.
0: so mariah could you say a little about when when ross did take his life and we've heard some about it from beth but i wonder if you could say like where, where were you and, and how did you find out and what was the story and, and kind of in the immediate aftermath, what, what went on?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was early in the COVID pandemic time. So Teddy and I were kind of going back and forth between staying with Ross at his parents' house um, and staying with my parents a couple hours um, further into New Hampshire um, and at the time we had been staying, I guess we'd kind of just transitioned into a period of staying at my parents' house. Um, and Teddy had gone back to his parents' house. Um, cause he just had to get a couple of things. So it was like a random, like Tuesday morning. Um, it was just kind of turning into beautiful new england spring from disgusting new england winter <laughs> so like the mood of the morning originally was super like bright and good um so i was out walking in our dog um and got a call from teddy i remember answering the phone like super cheerily um because it was such this nice day um and then just immediately from the first syllable I knew something terrible had happened because I had never heard Teddy sound like that before or since um and all he said was can you come to my parents house um and I said yeah I'll be there as soon as I can and he didn't say what happened um Mm. but so I just ran up the hill to my parents house um and I was so like shaken up just from that short phone call, not even knowing what happened. um, That when I asked to borrow the car, my mom was like, I don't feel comfortable with you taking the car. I'll drive you over there, Um, which I'm so grateful for, because I truly, like, shouldn't have been driving. I was very panicked. Um, Mm. And, yeah, the whole whole ride over, didn't know really what had happened. Mm. Um, But I just, I knew Ross was hurt. Uh, cause that was the only thing that would make Teddy like sound like that. Mm. Uh, so yeah, so I didn't know what happened and like checking, um, I was checking like the find my friends app to see if Teddy was at the hot, like if he'd said, come to my parents' house, but I thought maybe they'd gone to like a hospital. So I was checking to see where they were. Um, and yeah, and we ended up getting to their like driveway just as a police officer was leaving. I think my mom, the police officer like asked who we were said that I'm Teddy's girlfriend at the time. Um, and my mom asked like, is everything okay? Which obviously it wasn't. Um, but the police officer was like, um, no, uh, his brother, meaning Ross is dead. Um, and both me and my mom were just like, fuck. Uh, so yeah. So we drove up the driveway. Um, and Teddy was standing outside in the driveway with, um, luckily Beth's really good friend who was like my hero. She got there faster than we did. Um, and just like, just being there for Teddy as quickly as possible, which is amazing. Um, and yeah, and I was just like immediately terrified to get out of the car and go over and talk to Teddy because I knew he was going to like, tell me what happened. Um, and that I was going to have to like, say something and I just didn't know what to like say or do so just feeling so scared like getting out of the car and going over to him but um but just doing it anyway because you know it's not like I wasn't gonna do that um so yeah so headed over um he told me I think what happened um kind of just a blur and then uh, we stood in the driveway for a little while Teddy's uh grandparents got there stood in the driveway talking to them and it just all felt so surreal and um just weird it was just like yeah just surreal I guess is the best description for it um yeah and then Teddy came back to uh we drove back to my parents house um just to kind of get away uh from that house uh and what had happened um yeah. And then luckily to Teddy, Teddy felt like this need to tell people immediately. I think he recognized that he like, wasn't going to want to talk about it later. Um, so he called like a couple of his best friends and they dropped everything and came to my parents' house um, in a couple hours after that. Um, Yeah. yeah. So that was kind of that, um, the day that it happened. Um, and, uh, yeah, everything just felt surreal.
2: Mm. Mm.
0: Tell you when you when you just shared that moment, you know, first the phone call, but then especially when you arrived, what the police officer said, I just, I just kind of vicariously thought, oh my god, uh, what? I don't know how I would. I mean, I've had, there have been some shocking phone calls I've gotten in my life, you know, <laughs> about family members and things, but there's something about that situation was just. <sighs> You know, I'm not sure you ever unpack that.
1: Yeah, it was a a very nightmarish um, reality. Uh, And it just, yeah, it just didn't feel like something that terrible could really happen. Um, And I, like, definitely have experienced, like, anxiety and always kind of, like, expect the worst-case scenario. But then usually it doesn't happen. But then for the worst-case scenario to happen, um, yeah, it was really... uh, shocking and just um devastating I guess is the best word for it um because it just yeah it felt like and I remember originally talking to you probably I don't know a week later maybe or sooner even mm-hmm. I think you said it was like kind of when things like this happen it's like a bomb going off and you're like in the act af- like right in the aftermath of after it and that's definitely how it felt because it did just immediately after feel like everything was ruined um, and everything like looked the same, but that like, we would never be like fully happy again. And like, everything was, yeah, everything was just like debris and and, like this bomb had gone off and everything was like not good.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'll just say that, you know, I, yes, you and I spoke, a few days later or a week later, I'm not sure how long it was, because what happened was Beth got to me right away because I already knew Beth and over time, and I mainly knew Beth in the context of her talking to me on and off for a couple of years about Ross and what to do, you know, how to help him. And so she let me know. We had a couple of conversations and and I had a conversation and, I, and her husband and I spoke and... Teddy and I spoke, and you and I spoke, I was just individual conversations, but I remember that. I remember saying that, and I'll tell you, the image I had in mind, Mariah, and I've, for some reason I've had this in my mind before when things like this have happened that I've heard about, even though this never happened to me, is I have this image of, a, like you're in an airplane and it goes down and and it crashes and, and you walk out of the airplane and you can't believe you're alive and there's no survivors, that's sort of like, I just, for some reason, have this kind of thought of how disorienting, how other, like you said, or otherworldly. It's like, how do you mm-hmm. find your place um, in the universe at that moment? And what I, I'm impressed that um, I'm first. I'm impressed that you were in a situation where your parents were able to drive there. Yeah. I'm impressed that Beth's friend already showed up, which Beth also told us about. That uh, <sighs> her friend Laura. It's extraordinary. So, Yep. There in five minutes, and then that and then that Teddy is the kind of person who reaches out to a couple friends.
2: Yeah, it's
0: very touching to me that he has friends like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And like, well, I think I I don't know I personally and I think Teddy as well would say like we'll never forget that they dropped everything and came up that quickly. Yeah. Um And then there were also his great friends who then like, came up immediately the weekend after. Um, And Teddy is definitely the kind of person who, like, yeah, who I guess being around his friends is, like, the best thing for him. Um, So, like, especially in a situation like this. And he did, like, immediately recognize that that's what he needed. Mm -hmm. And, like, the the months after, too, he recognized, like, I think I'm going to need to, like, surround myself with a lot of people. Um, So, yeah, he was definitely really self-aware of that, which, um, I was really impressed by mm-hmm. and thankful for because I was for sure scared of him coping with it in unhealthy ways. Yeah. Um, so I was really impressed and happy that he found like healthy ways to, I mean, I'm sure there was some unhealthy coping in the mix, but he like really did everything that I think he should have like reaching out to friends. Did therapy, um, just all these things that I'm just really proud of him for, like, coping in a, in a healthy way mm. a lot of it. Mm. Mm. What was helpful? By the way, oh, go ahead.
0: Uh, let me just say, Nicole, and then I'll turn no, no, to you. Fine. Is that I just want to say while I think of it, because otherwise I'll forget, is that for people who are listening to this, um, when we had the podcast with Beth, with Ross's mother, she then sent a bunch of photographs, yeah of people, including Ross, several of Ross and family members. And it it includes one of you, Mariah, I don't know if you know what she sent, but it's you you and Teddy and Beth and her husband up on top of Mount Major um, in a photograph that was taken after that climb that everybody made together. And so if anybody does want to go, there's, it's on the, um, I guess it's on my website or it's attached to the YouTube I wish I could tell you which it is. I think it's definitely on my website. If you it's, on, went to it's definitely podcast on the website. Beth, <laughs> it then says, it's linked to something that says gallery. So you could you could see who these people are. So, anyway, I, I interrupted you, Nicole.
2: No, it's fine. I just wanted to ask, because I think sometimes when we are on the fringes of moments like this, and it can be really hard to know what to say or how to help, and you can feel really powerless. Um, and I think you are experiencing this, on a lot of levels um, and, you know, trying to support Teddy. Um, and then you were experiencing yourself, you know, having people around and, and needing to be consoled because you'd lost a friend. So what was helpful and what did what did you notice helped and supported you aside from just people's presence um, in general, you know, what did you notice helped Teddy? What did you notice helped you and, and what was not helpful?
1: Yeah. Um, good questions. Um, okay. So I guess first me I'll start with, um, honestly what helped me was therapy. Um, because I am not great at talking about my feelings unless I'm like very explicitly supposed to be talking about my feelings. Um, so, and I just felt like I didn't want like Teddy and his whole family were super, um, like check, they did a great job checking in with me and asking how I was feeling, which always like wowed me that they would even think of me as being someone that, um, like required the same concern that they that they did. Um, just cause they were going through so much, the fact that they thought of me, um, and like what I was going through was always really meaningful and mental to me, um, but I think definitely I had like a, I, I think a healthy respect for the fact that what they were going through was at least tenfold what I was. So I think I never wanted to put more on them, um, than they were already going through. So, yeah. So I think having like, uh, yeah, therapy just to, that was expressly for the purpose of like me being able to talk about what I was mm-hmm. feeling, um, was helpful for me, um, and then I'm kind of the opposite of Teddy where I honestly like needed time alone. And like, I did not enjoy telling people, um, or, or spending time with people a lot because it was just uncomfortable. I feel like for me, cause I, am like I said, I feel like I'm kind of a people pleaser. So my immediate instinct is to like make everyone else comfortable. So being like, you know, this is what's going on. Um, like I'm, but I'm okay. Like, how are you? Uh, so yeah. So, and then it just would be uncomfortable because I, you know, was going through a lot, but would kind of just, Mm. I don't know. I didn't love being around people. I'll say that. So, um, yeah. So I spent a lot of time like reading, um, and some books were comforting to me. Um, I know a lot of people would not want to like read about, similar situations, but I found it comforting to read about ideas and um similar situations and, and um nonfiction about people who had been through similar things. Um yeah. And just like seeing, I guess here I guess that's the thing is like I connecting with friends is always important and good, but I found it really helpful to find other people and not even connect with them but just hear about people who had been through similar experiences, um, because it just makes you feel like, I don't know, you just feel connected to them. Um, and that feels good.
2: If there are books that you found particularly helpful, I think it would be great. We could probably put that in the same place where Beth's pictures are just in our show notes. Um, I think that would be wonderful. And, um, had you, what was your experience with therapy? If you don't mind before up to this point,
1: yeah um okay so books i would say a non-fiction one i'll have to get the name for you of later Beth actually gave it to me um and it was very helpful and then um there's another fiction one that i really liked i think it's a little bit controversial in the way that it talks about suicide but um midnight library it's a really popular book but basically it like it follows this girl who like decides to end her life she's super into philosophy like Ross. super smart so it just kind of like reminded me so much of him, and then mm. uh, like the premise basically um, is that she gets to she's in this like in between world where she gets to try out different universes in the mm. multiverse and try to find one where she like was ha- is happy um, and decide to like stay there and kind of the ultimate message is like don't kill yourself you're not like this the life they're in is good, but I like to imagine that like Ross Founding University yeah. is happy. Um so that that book just means a lot to me, even though some people don't like like the way it talks about it. But um but I really liked it. And um yeah and then my experience with therapy before um uh, before this was honestly nothing. I had considered being a therapist before and took um I was a psych major, um always interested in psychology. Uh, But yeah, I had always like considered therapy, but never had uh, taken the steps to actually like find someone to talk to, because it honestly is kind of challenging to find someone that like takes your insurance, Mm -hmm. uh, is the right combination of letters. (laughs) uh, Just yeah. So I'd never actually followed through with it before. Um, Yeah. And then also, I didn't answer your question about what was helpful, I think, for like being there for Teddy. I can go back to that. if. You are. Yeah, I think just like in terms of being like the support person, I definitely am not the person that is the person that always like has the right thing to say um, or like knows what to do in crisis situations. But I think just being like kind of following his lead on like when he wanted to talk about things, um, just being like very like present and active listening um and like making it clear like that there's nothing that's too like terrible to talk about mm-hmm. um and and yeah just really listening like when he wanted to talk and then giving him space when he needed space which was definitely sometimes and then yeah being no like being okay with the fact that our methods for coping were really different so like he had a couple weekends with friends that I didn't go to because I was like I can't like my, I need to heal by like being alone. Um, so, so I think those things well, in terms of how yeah. I went. Yeah. And then also just that photo on top of Mount Major that you mentioned too, just wanted to note, like that was incredibly meaningful to me. The experience we climbed Mount Major, like in honor of Ross and, um, and that picture in particular, like I remember, um, I don't know whose idea it was, but they were like, "Oh, let's take a picture of like the family, like Teddy and Beth and Ted, like go over there." And I didn't initially like follow because I wasn't sure. Um, but then Beth like immediately was like, <laughs> "Mariah, come come here." Um, yeah. And to have like not not even Teddy, but like Beth immediately so so quickly be like, "Oh, Mariah I
0: should oh, to be included, of course." I remember but, like, that. was, Really, uh, meaningful I me. so. Yeah. I rem- so Mariah, so I was there uh on Mount Major with all these people this very amazing hike and uh and when when you when they were have taking pictures there's a huge picture of like 25 or 30 people and then there then Beth wanted a family picture and you stood on the side and then she sort of said no come um you're in this, and to me that made complete sense because she had spoken to me for some time about how unbelievably fortunate they felt they were that you were now part of the family and that you had the connection you had with Ross, which she felt was absolutely unique. She she didn't just see it as oh you're the you're the you're the sidekick of Teddy. <laughs> you're, no, you were like an independent <laughs> and a person who actually had more in common. Temperamentally, with Ross, mm. more likely to be the person who stays mm-hmm. to herself and who reads and who thinks about things and 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 is sensitive and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Not that Teddy isn't those things. It's just a very different kind of personality. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I wasn't surprised. Yeah. But that's very. It was very touching, and it's a it's a lovely picture. Actually, I mean, <laughs> you know how pictures are. You can look at the picture and say, "Oh my God!" But this is a nice <laughs> picture of you as well as all.
1: Yeah, I actually, yeah, I haven't seen it yet, honestly, but that, yeah, Yeah. that moment meant so much to me. It just, like, um, yeah, and and I think that description of how Ross and I are similar uh, is, like, exactly spot on. I think just, like, sensitive, a little more low-key, a little bit more likely Mm -hmm. to, like, stay in and just hang out together. Look, Um, I I want to... Just, yeah, um, just I, channeling
0: yeah. Ross for the moment. Um, how diff, how different it would have been for Ross if you were sort of just like Teddy. Um, if you were, if you were a person who's always surrounding mm-hmm. yourself <laughs> with friends and you're busy and you're active and you're this and and you know the fact that that Ross had you as part of that relationship yeah. with the three of you probably. Your your personality probably made that work in a way. I'm I'm just picturing a lot of personalities. It would not have worked. Ross was not an was not an easy character. Mm-hmm. He was an interesting and that made a huge impact on people. But it wasn't like he hung out with many people. You know, he hung out with you. He hung out with Teddy, and he would go on long distance rides with his father. You know, and and his mother was mm-hmm. always involved in trying to figure out how to be helpful to him so you each had a different role
1: yeah for sure I think like just the dynamic between the three of us Mm. worked so well um it definitely was just like a really special combination Mm. um of personalities coming together and um yeah I feel really lucky that I was a part of that um and yeah, we did some of those same same random rides, long car rides together, just talking, oh, you did. just like you some of my favorite mm-hmm. memories. Yeah, I think we copied. Definitely Teddy's dad originally did it with Teddy and Ross. Um, and then I think Teddy I yeah, Ross and I like never really drove. It was Teddy took us for random rides around uh, New Hampshire too, but just like really just a venue to just talk and um Yeah. Do like those nice, like lower key things together. And I honestly like, don't really have a lot of friends, like, well, really any friends like that Mm. Ross was truly like special to me um, in that way that we like were able to relate to each other Mm. um, on just like being kind of on the same wavelength, I guess it always felt like, uh, so yeah. So that's um,
0: so cool. You guys took that course together. It is. I think that was, that, that was very cool
1: yeah (laughs) it's very cool yeah no that was very I asked Beth
2: about you know how her relationship with Ross or the memory of Ross has changed over time and I'm curious about you know about that for you however you interpret that um you know how he is alive for you in in your memory and how maybe that relationship is um yeah what is that relationship now
1: Yeah, I think just thinking about him um, and like when we see a movie that we both mm-hmm. know that he like, would have loved where me and Teddy both like are simultaneously thinking it. And then like one of us like would have loved that and the other person will be like, I know I was thinking the same thing or mm-hmm. like visit a place that he would have loved or something like that. So um, just kind of like which is you just think of him a lot. And then um, I think the other thing is a little bit what I talked about earlier where i think like in the immediate aftermath i tried to like almost keep him a part of my life by like being super sad um and it felt it felt like a way to honor him to by being sad like you know it made no sense but like it felt like i could show him how much he meant to me by yeah. not being happy and like crying a lot um just being like, look, look how much I cared about you. And like, it just felt, it just felt like honoring him in a weird way. And that being happy was like, not, not showing him how much he meant. Um, and then I sort of, I don't know if I realized on my own that I was doing that or if that was a therapy thing, I forget, but realized I was doing that. And then now trying to flip that and Trying to honor him by, like, living in a way that he, like, would have been, Mm. like, proud of me for, um, which I think I talked a little bit about earlier, like, trying to be more honest with myself and, like, not, and, like, not putting up with, like, the world, (laughs) like, baloney, um, and, yeah, and just not being, I don't know, trying to, like, make life more interesting and more of an adventure than just, like, going from day to day, um, and yeah and like I think a lot of people talked about how difficult Ross could be and that is definitely true especially from a parent perspective but as like a friend he was he had like a real sweetness to him too um that like he would always like say like very nice things to me about like oh like I think you could be like a tv writer or like just really nice things that honestly like a lot of people don't have like the genuine genuineness and sweetness to like say to other people um so yeah so like I don't know just trying to live up to up like how I feel like sometimes saw me um and yeah and and I don't know it just is special that like he really was pretty discerning with people that he like liked and didn't like. Um, so to be among the category of people that he liked is honestly, mm. like, such an honor. Um, and so trying to, like, live up to, to that is, um, is like, now how I kind of keep him in my thoughts and in my life and trying to honor him in, like, a healthier way than I think.
2: There's something, like, there's a, you know, a kind of magic alchemy to that, going from, you know, just pouring out grief and And, you know, using sadness kind of as a shield to, you know, maybe up-leveling or exalting every part of your life in ways that that maybe he brought out as a way of honoring. It's just, it's a really extraordinary way of transmuting that pain. Um, And it's a testament to you and to him. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Trying my best. I feel like there's no perfect way to get through something like this but that is a way that I found that I can like continue because the grief process really like never ends I don't believe that it ever is something that is like over but I think that's one way that i found that's like a healthy or like a way that I can live with grief that also is like good for me
0: um instead of
1: Living grief in ways that are.
0: No, I bad. think you. I think he. He lives on. He became part of you. The way you're describing it, I think it's very, mm-hmm. um, it's very specific. It isn't just sort of generalized. Oh, this is a sad loss. I mean, this is a very particular person had very particular qualities, and you didn't know anybody else quite like him. And now you, you, you know, you're trying to live up to some of those qualities or incorporate them in you. I mean, and uh, I think it's. Uh, it's part of the way of coping with that and and it's it keeps him alive Strange, i mean paradoxically um yeah
1: yeah yeah no absolutely like and the trying like some of the things that i didn't i don't know some of the things that i wasn't necessarily honest with myself about in the past like the fact that i honestly would prefer to stay in and read than go out with people a lot of the time um i think are like things that i Never had to think about because I spent so much time like with Ross and that was like kind of my, my like almost off when I could just like relax and like, I didn't have to go out with people. I could just like hang out with Ross. So I don't know. I feel like I have also emphasized like the things that we had in common and like realized that those were a part of me that I like otherwise wasn't really taking care of or like acknowledging So I think, yeah, also I think he is a part of me in that I like more recognized qualities that we shared and that I like previously just attributed more to him. But then now I'm like, no, that's me also. Like that's some of the things that we recognized in each other. Um, I'm trying to like recognize in
0: just myself. Yeah, you know, Mariah you you wouldn't know this because i'm I don't think i I know you and Teddy do listen to podcasts, but I doubt that you've listened to many of my podcasts and uh, but i I had one of my podcasts I told the story of my best friend who passed away actually in two thousand three so it was like nineteen years ago so yeah nineteen years ago and um and it was very similar to what you're saying I, she had certain qualities I used to teach with her she she was more courageous than me she would have a thought, and then she would just say it while she's teaching. Outrageous things, you know, mm-hmm. funny things, irreverent things, you know. And I was like a good teacher and trying to get all the good points. And I was sort of like, you know, like you in, in a different domain. I was like an audience pleaser. You know, and she was like, Who gives a shit? You know, she would just say she had a strategy called the what the fuck strategy. And the what the fuck strategy was if you think of saying it. Just say it. What the fuck? Life is short, you know. So, and after after she was after she passed away, and I was teaching, I could feel her joining the conversation. At one point, it was almost a psychotic feel feeling, like, "Oh my God, what's she doing?" I'm trying to teach here, and she's talking through my head. And 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 it it changed how I taught. I started to feel more like, okay, whatever. It's I, I don't know that I'd be doing this podcast if it wasn't. Because she and I had thoughts of doing something. So I think when you really love somebody who's a close friend, they they you're, there's really the pre-Ross Mariah and there's the post-Ross Mariah. And it's not the same person, in a way. I mean, and and it keeps changing. It'll probably keep, you know, evolving in you. I mean, I, I tend to think that in, in, in Buddhist teachings, too, that, yeah. you, you know, he's still there. And it's very... I'm not sure I thought that before this conversation, but the way you talk about him yeah. really brings him alive. Yeah. So I think Mariah, yes. that what, what I had just said about my friend and all, and and what I was saying about I think how um, how Ross has in in come alive in you is 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 continuing to change a living person and probably many living people actually is 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 part of I mean, exactly. that's how in a way somebody is still here living on through you. So that's what I said before. And I think our, uh, this, I think this that sound will be preserved. Uh, and even though your your sound quality went down. Um, so, you know, could I have to stop in just a couple of minutes and I wonder if, if there's anything else you had thought of saying before that you haven't gotten a chance to say, because I know you had some time leading up to this conversations
1: yeah i think i think we covered most of it um i guess like one thing about grief that i would just want to communicate to anybody going through something similar is that like it's an interesting state to be in because there's nothing that feels good like any other situation i think like if you're sad like people will say go outside go for a walk And that helps. I feel like at least for me in the like early, I guess in the grief, um, process, just nothing felt good. Like laying down felt bad, Mm. going for a walk felt bad, eating felt bad. Like everything, nothing feels Mm. like right. Mm. Nothing. Um, and, and it can kind of feel like it's always going to feel like that. And that like, there is only (laughs) like a good before and a terrible after. Um, and yeah, uh, but I guess just like putting one foot in front of the other and realizing that things or like emotions do change. There's nothing that's permanent. So eventually, like you will feel little moments of happiness again. Um, and yeah, I guess just like keeping moving through the worst of it um, because it will change. Like it feels like it won't, but it will change. And like, you'll never be like over anything, but, um, but yeah, you'll like feel, feel good in certain moments again. Um,
0: that seems very important because if you're going through it and some people listening to this might be going through it. Yeah. I think you can feel like this will never be, it's over. Yeah. It's over. Like my life as I've known it is over, Mm -hmm. but actually, yeah. You're in a process. Things are evolving. And uh, probably even this conversation is another step yeah. in the evolution, your willingness to do this and yeah. to talk about this when you're not exactly the public figure type of person who's going to go out and, and volunteer to be on podcasts. So I think it's like, yeah, right. It's really so I just want to use use that to say that I'm very grateful that you mm-hmm. spoke on I mean, because I'm, I'm, I have in mind all the people who are going to be listening to this. Yeah. Um. Very generous. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, thank you for giving us all like this avenue to hopefully help people and to just talk about Ross, who truly is um, like one of my favorite people that I've ever known. Um, and and I think that's the case for a lot of Seems people to who be. knew him. Um, yeah. Thanks for, yeah. It, it, you, don't, you don't get to talk about him that's at right. this length often. That's true. Um, or you know anyone, but so it honestly is like just nice to remember him in in this like extended format. Um. So yeah. yeah so Thank you're you. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah. And I, I encourage you to go ahead and talk with him now and then. Yeah. You know, you yeah. can have like yeah. those random rides. You can have random conversations with Ross. You know, can go on, and that was that was helpful to me. Mm-hmm with the person that I lost. Um, All right. All right. Thank you, Mariah. It was lovely meeting you. uh,
1: This
2: was amazing. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: You too. Thanks, Charlie. Thanks, Nicole. All
0: right. Talk to you soon.